Other horn, let's go. Everything that we do every day, we want to be a champion. Get your mind right and let's go. Do the little things. Win every day. It's a surplus to play so far. Everything with an attitude. Got a family. Yes. I don't give a shit who we're playing. Dominate the way you're playing against and make his ass play. That's our framework. That's our MO with the team. Richardson breaks free on the sideline. This is a mauling, folks, a mauling. Hear the tide, honey badger. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast, powered by Bama Hammer. Tom, that was a win. It, in fact, was a big win. Saban was a little half, uh, glasses half full. How are you going to weigh in on this? Are you a little glasses half empty or are you half full? Man, as we talked about wrapping up last week's show, you know, we had said this was the toughest game on the schedule. Uh, we had called a close one. Um, Alabama holding on to, uh, you know, trying to hold on to get a victory. We were off on the score a little bit, uh, but it's exactly, but it's exactly what we thought, man. This is this has become the hardest game on the Alabama schedule, which um, which is really kind of funny when you think this used to be the game we scheduled for homecoming. It's frustrating, right? I mean, we're, we're of a we're sort of of an era where Ole Miss was a laughing stock and. And so it's a little, it's a little uncomfortable that it's Ole Miss, right? If it could, if it were LSU, if it were Tennessee, if it were Georgia, if it were Florida, all of those would feel right, you know. But it just feels funny that Ole Miss has sort of been this thorn in our side. That makes it a little more frustrating, right? No, it does. But I remember us saying, you know, I remember saying last week on the show that Florida State had held the ball for forty-three minutes. Uh, Ole Miss only had the ball for seventeen minutes. And in 17 minutes of time of possession, they put up 458 yards. Um, you know, call it as we see it. This team with Chad Kelly knows how to move the ball. They are a run and gun. And I'd hate to see what this team – I'd hate to see how many points this team would put up on somebody if they had the ball for like 40 minutes of a game. Well, if they just were an even 30, uh, if they just split time of possession, you know, it would be – this would be – I mean, they're already a dangerous team, right? if they just split the time of possession and if they just had a couple of more recruits, and in fact, they've had some injuries this season that you could argue is uh, sort of diminishing uh, their product on the field. So, you know, you know, one of the things that, uh, that, that freeze was talking about, and and this was some of the pregame sort of interview with, with the announcers, they said, you know, freeze acknowledged that, you know, roster end to end roster, they don't have the depth, but, he was confident that his first 30 could compete with our first 30 and how, how how accurate was that? Right. I mean, it was definitely sort of a back and forth kind of tooth and nail kind of game, a lot of big plays, but it was, it was sort of the attrition in in the end uh, that, um, you know, that helped Alabama prevail. So I don't know. I thought that was kind of interesting. Why don't you talk to us on offense? What stood out to you on offense? Well, you know, I had to go back and look at the the first 15 plays of the game because we always talk about the offensive coordinator scripting those plays. And I said, you know, let me go back and see how many of those plays were run plays to someone that was not the quarterback because we don't have the advantage of knowing on some of those runs that Hurts made you know, whether they were designed passes, designed dropbacks, or designed runs on some of them. Sure, sure. And so – RPOs, baby. Yeah, so when I so when I took the first 
15 plays. Six of those plays were design runs to the to two different tailbacks. And surprisingly, of those six runs, four of those runs went for more than five yards. And so in that first 15 plays of the game, ball, we had a lot of success. And so then I said, okay, well, this is only 15 plays in. So Hertz was responsible for doing something with the ball nine out of 15 times. And I said, so once Kiffin gets off the, the script, once the, once the reins are off and the, the flashlight is off and he's got full reign to do more what he wants to do, what does it look like? And I stopped at 44 plays. So out of 44 plays, how many plays do you think did not end with Hertz throwing the ball or running the ball? I don't know. Give me your number. Nine. Okay. So there was only nine plays out of the first 44 plays that did not involve Hertz. And what was interesting to me about this is they had had success in that first drive of which uh, they had all of those carries, by the way. Um, and then they proceeded to go away from that for the next couple of series, and they had no success whatsoever and had to punt the ball. And then they came back uh, in the second quarter, and it was almost like uh, when they came back, they uh, they started going back to more of a balanced offense. And when they did that, they broke uh, two nice runs. And so Joshua Jacobs has a six-yard run, and the very next play he has a 25-yard run yep. to the Ole Miss 49-yard line, first, first, uh, first and ten. We proceed to go back to our behind-the-line-of-scrimmage plays, as I call them, and three plays later, we punt the ball. The, the biggest thing that stood out to me is this is not the offensive identity that I'm used to for Alabama football. Uh, we've had it for three years now since Kiffin's been there. I still don't like it. Um, you know, I, I like more of a balanced attack. I like to uh, have success running the ball, set up the play-action pass, that's what Alabama football is about. Um, this other stuff just frustrates the shit out of me. Yeah, I mean, I get a kick out of that, right? Because because I hear you say it, and you know, look, I don't, I'm not going to disagree that the first, you know, sort of scripted plays. I mean, we started the game with a 17 play drive, and I kind of hung my hat on that for most of the afternoon. That you know, if we kind of get back to that script, we're going to be okay. And so I get that that's some that that's some forward running. I don't mind attacking the sidelines, I don't mind making the defense, you know, defend the full width of the field. And I know there's been times where we've talked about, and, you know, hey, you and I have been talking football for more than 20 years, right? So I know there's times we've said, hey, if they're going to give the receiver that much of a cushion, why don't you just throw it out to him and let him make a move on somebody? And so we've asked for that kind of, you know, play before. Now, are we seeing it more than maybe we might would like? Yes, I'm not going to, th- but I, you know, my point is I'm not going to throw that baby out with the bathwater. I'm just going to maybe dial it down and run it about half as many times. Well, here's, here's my point there. Okay. For a true freshman quarterback in his first start on the road, truly on the road. Sure. And what you and I think is probably the toughest game on their schedule. Okay. On their SEC schedule schedule right now which is kudos to Ole Miss okay um things went haywire two years ago at the Grove right 
I mean, I just think I think Kiffin is putting too much on the true freshman's shoulders, I guess is a better way to say it. In my opinion, with all the circumstances, if you have a senior quarterback like Chad Kelly with his three years of, of running their system, yeah, put it on his shoulders. He's a damn good quarterback. But for him to put that much on Hurts that early in the game to say, kid, you're going to control the ball 35 of 44 snaps, um, that's why I think we didn't have a lot of success early, and I think that's why we only had three points until we had some lucky breaks there at the end of the half. Yeah, I'm I'm going to go back and and look. This this may be a point that that you know you don't like how we're attacking the edge uh, or the perimeter. I don't think you're categorically against it. I think we're just seeing it a little more often. I I'm going to go back to let's see some toss sweep, and that's you know that's something that we've probably been calling for the last couple of years. And we saw it some last, last year, you know, when really Derek got into a rhythm and, uh, and it was sort of refreshing to see, I'd like to see Bo um, and, and heck some of the other backs, Damien is really showing out and we can talk about, you know, the running backs uh, situation, but uh, I, w- I would really like to see some tall sweeps and I don't you know, that's kind of the bottom line for me at, you know, I like this, the straight ahead running. I like tacking down the field. I realized why we didn't do a whole lot of that because the uh, the defense and it was sort of clever game planning by their defensive coordinator to you know we're going to play back in coverage and we're going to make you read we're going to make you read us and and I thought that was pretty clever for uh, you know and so I think that contributed maybe to some extra sideline passes to try to uh, suck some of the guys up but not in the line of scrimmage so I mean it's a little bit of take what they give and it's a little bit of you know, maybe getting a little too comfortable with with that play. Um, tall sweep, man. I, I just think we got to see some more tall sweep. No, I'm totally with you on tall sweep. I, I guess you know I counted two or three times in the game where we were in a third. Here, here's one I just found here very quickly. So before we had our breaks at the end of the second quarter, we sat here on one drive, first and ten at the twenty, incomplete pass to Calvin Ridley, then. He throws a very nice ball to Dieter on the sideline for 30 yards. It was a nice pass. Yep. Okay. The very next play, first and 10 at midfield. Midfield now. You're down 10 to 3. You need some momentum going into half. Okay. You have no idea what crazy shit's about to happen in the last five minutes of this half, right? This is a seven-minute mark. Sure. You got first and 10 at the 50. And he rushes. For a loss of eight yards, he basically gets tackled behind the line of scrimmage. He fumbles the ball. I'm sorry, I beg your pardon. This is where he fumbles the ball when he's trying to throw it. He recovers his own fumble. So now you have second and 18. Second and 18, he has an incomplete pass. Now you got third and 18 at your 42. He tries to scramble to get the first down. That's the point where the ball just kind of slipped out of his hand. I mean, I. No, no, no. First and 10 is where the ball slipped out of his hand. Yeah. I mean, not my point is, it's hard. You know, that w- he was throwing that ball down the field. No, no, I'm with you. But third and eighteen, at the forty-two, he quickly pulls the ball down and evades the pocket and starts to run. And he thinks because I went back and watched it a couple times. He breaks through the middle of the defense and he thinks he can outrun them for a first down. This is not high school football. This is SEC football. And there aren't many guys who are going to get 18 yards scrambling out of the pocket up the middle of a defense with linebackers and safeties in the SEC. 
And so he evades the middle linebacker. He rushes for 13 yards. He gets tackled at the Ole Miss 45. So great job. You on third and 18, you ran the ball for 13 yards. And so now we have to punt and give the ball back to them for a touchback. My point is, why did he run the ball for 13 yards on third and 18? Because he's a true freshman, right? And, and Ole Miss is a good defense. He dropped back. He couldn't see what he wanted. And so he took off. And so I'm, I'm pointing this out to simply say that I think they're putting too much on the kid's shoulders, okay? Uh, the kid has composure. The kid uh, doesn't look to be rattled. He doesn't show it if he's rattled whatsoever. Um, I think as far as handling himself on the field, I think he did a phenomenal job of handling himself on the field. He didn't show any nerves whatsoever. Right. But you've got skilled guys galore around him. You now have three returning offensive linemen at the positions they played last year, which we want to talk about in a minute because you and I got that right. Yep. I just think there's a lot of peace. And, oh, by the way, we haven't talked about O.J. Howard, who was the MVP of the national championship game. What what is a what is a brand new rookie quarterback in the NFL's best friend? A tight end. They love their tight ends. I, right? and so, so no no no. Help, help. So so go ahead, take it, take it. No, no, I'm, I'm, just, just, I'm just giving you examples of what frustrates me right now. I think Kiffin is just not. I, I just don't understand some of this. Well, I mean, distill it down. Like, what's what's sort of your bullet point on this? Are you mad at the kid? Are you mad at the play calling? Are you are you just mad that that he's young and? Which is, you know. Oh, no, no. Definitely play calling. Definitely play calling. This is play calling. Because, in my opinion, had you ran the ball a little more, had you thrown the ball on an eight yard pass play to OJ Howard, had you done some of your toss sweeps to the running backs, had you done a screen to a running back, you know, let the, let the, let the uh, defensive ends come in and pin their ears back and do a screen. I hear what you're saying. It just, I hear what, it just oh, make it easier for the damn quarterback. I just think they made it too hard for the kid. No, that's fair. Look, that's fair. It took me over half a season to get you to even say anything nice about Blake Sims, and so I'm going to press my luck early. You said the guy, you know, you said Jalen was very, you know, comported himself very well. Would you say at this stage, and he's played, you know, less than three full games now, would you say that he's impressive and demonstrates – some significant upside? No, I wouldn't go there. I, I think that I, I think that Gary Danielson said it best. And and this and and to be fair, and to be fair, what I said about Blake Sims, I don't take back. Blake Sims should not have been a starting quarterback at the University of Alabama. Plain and simple. And and that is obvious now when he is now trying to make an NFL team as a running back because he wasn't a quarter couldn't make it as a quarterback in the NFL, went to Canada, couldn't make it as a quarterback, and now he's back trying to play uh running back. Well, so, I mean, a lot of guys can't make it. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't take that back. Blake Sims should not have been a starting quarterback in the SEC, plain okay. and simple. No, okay. I know. I, I mean, I, I guess I'm, I'm confused by that, but, but that's okay. No, no, no. I, I, I don't think Blake Sims should have been a starting quarterback at the SEC. No, at, I at heard the, you. I heard you. I've he, also but, heard you say that you wish that he was coming back. You know, that no, he no. had one more year. No, no, Blake. No, no. Here's, here's what I will say. Lane Kiffin. And Gary Danielson said this best on the telecast. Lane Kiffin might be the best guy that I have ever seen of an ability to find what someone is good at and bring it to light. And and Gary said it better on the on the on the TV broadcast. And so 
why did Blake Sims have the success he did? Okay, in large part because I think Lane Kiffin oh, sure. is able to take the damn clay and mold it. Okay, oh, yeah. and, and, he, and he is really good at finding what somebody's good at. Okay, and so do I think another offensive coordinator could have won a national championship with Coker? Maybe not. Right. <laughs> do, do I think another coordinator could have had Blake Sims get as far as he did? Maybe not. Okay. And so, and so, so do I think Halen, do I think Jalen Hurts has more athletic ability than Blake Sims? Absolutely do. Okay. Do I think the, do I think the art, um, um, athletically, he, he athletically has more right now than I think Blake. Well, that's not fair though, because Blake Sims only, really only got to be in the quarterback position for one year. So I'll say that that I think that right now Jalen Hurts has a lot of athletic ability. Do do I think right now he is – I mean, he's a brand-new quarterback in the SEC against really good defensive coordinators. Lane Kiffin needs to make it so much easier on this kid. I mean, I mean, oh, my gosh, he's making it so hard on this kid it's not even funny. I mean, you, you could have ran the ball more. I mean, everything we just talked about, I don't want to say it again, but basically I think that that he's putting way too much on his shoulders. He's treating him like a fifth-year senior, and he's not a and he's a true freshman. So do you do you I, I see an inherent conflict in what you said, right? That that Kiffin did something the last two years that probably no other offensive coordinator could do, but he doesn't know his ass from his hole in the ground when it comes to Jalen Hurts. Is that kind of what you're saying? It's not what I'm saying at all. I okay. said that he is he is very good at being able to find something good at and and it normally takes an entire season. And so we saw a different Jacob Coker, Jake Coker at the end of the season, a different Blake Sims at the end of the season. We're not at the end of the season. We just had our toughest road game that we will probably have the entire schedule. We've lucked up the past two years and lost to Ole Miss and made our made it back into the conversation of where it's important. Uh, there was too much at stake at this game for to give your true freshman the ball 35 out of 44 plays. It was dumb. Okay, is that clear? It was dumb. He should have let the guy control maybe half the plays, not 35 of the plays. It was dumb. Wow. Okay. I, I I might would say that that puts you in a pretty significant minority, but did, did I am totally okay with that? No, I no, and and so I know you like kind of being contrary that way. Did did it at any point? Did I mean we had a there was a nice drive where Jalen ran the ball multiple times. Did was there at any point during that drive that that reminded you of Mark Ingram lining up in the wild card and uh, Wildcat and taking over that South Carolina game? No. No, there was there was there was one play in particular where he scrambled around the end, and because of a really good block by Bo Scarborough, he was able to get a first down. Yep, yep. That was just purely his athleticism. That wasn't him taking over a game, man. That was just he's a very fast kid around the edge, and uh, he made a play with his feet. Okay. At some point, I don't know what that difference is, but that we we can talk about that later. Let's go to the offensive line because because. You know, one of the first things I noticed was, you know, hey, this is exactly what Tommy and I talked about in the car driving back from the airport when we landed in Atlanta after the Dal- uh, after traveling to Dallas. And, you know, we talked about it in, in the podcast. How's the offensive line going to shake out? And it shook out exactly like we said it would. Why don't you talk to us about that? 
Yeah, man, it's just the smokes. It's the smoke and mirrors, right? Of uh, Saban, right? You know, and and kind of like what he did with the quarterback position, calling it a battle when you know apparently it really wasn't a battle. Um, you know, I love how he said Alphonse Taylor's got to work his way back, and you know he said the right things about the one game suspension, and you know he was starting right guard for a reason last year, and um, Alphonse Taylor is really good against the run. His yeah. pass protection is okay, but he's probably our best run blocker on the on the offensive line. He might be. Now, you have to agree, or, or maybe you don't. I want to hear what you think. I mean, gosh, he could really stand to lose 15 pounds, though, couldn't he? No, he could, but I'm going to tell you something, okay? I think that he is just uh, very strong, and he's very – okay, you know how DJ Fluker is playing guard in the pros yeah, now, sure. right? Why is he playing guard? Because he's strong as a freaking ox, he's not good against the speed guys on the edge, and sure. in, inside he can he can just sit there and wrestle you and and bull rush and you know knock you back five yards. Alphonse Taylor's you know guards a great role for him, uh, like kind of like Chance Warmack years ago, right? Mm -hmm. And I will tell you that going back and watching this game, um, and watching these offensive plays um, as much as I did. Because uh, I'd go back and, you know, rewind every play three or four times. Bozeman's the guy, man. I mean, you know, I, I wish we were – what I mean is he, he, he should have been the center all along. And I wish I could have gone to practices to find out why they switched him and Pierce Bocker so late, you know, like you talked about before the USC game. But, man, man, I'm sorry. I think Bozeman, when he, when he leaves here, he's going he's gonna to be better than Ryan Kelly was. Bozeman showed me a lot in this ball game or against a really good Ole Miss uh, defensive line. Uh, his ability with Pierce Bocker and Alphonse Taylor to double-team their men and then to get on the next level to the linebacker, I'm sorry, he, he, he looked really good to me. Mm -hmm. and I didn't realize he had the mean streak. Um, he, he's nasty, man. He, yeah, I think he's smart and nasty. He and, is, um, and that's good. Yeah, he 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 is he is all of that. What do you make, if anything, of Saban saying that the interior line is not set? That they may still look at making some additional changes. What do you? How do you read that? Man, I hope he's just trying to. I, I hope he's just trying to light a fire into them. Or, or maybe he's trying to just give some hope to the to the Lester Cottons of the world. And this take nothing away from Lester Cotton. Okay, okay. Let me ask you a question. The only person that can be directed at is Pierce Bacher, and oh, really? because Bozeman is set, Alphonse Taylor is set in my opinion. I think Pierce Bacher had a good game too, by the way. So I had not heard that comment. Um, I thought the three of them played pretty well together, and so. Um, I, I don't foresee any of the three of them losing their job. Damn, we were so close to to, to we were so close to being in, in synchronicity on the offensive line. I uh, <laughs> I was gonna say, you know, my thought is that message is to Lester Cotton, and you even said it, to, and it's all, this is where I thought we were on the same page. Um, I think it was to Lester Cotton, keep your head up, kid, keep fighting, and uh, and it was to Shank, uh, you still got to drop some weight. That's 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 very possible. I hope no, the message was to those guys that didn't use it, Pierce Parker. No, that's a no. That's 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 very possible. Um, but I will tell you that I was impressed with Bozeman. 
Um, I was oh, yeah. impressed with I was impressed with Pierce Bocker. Uh, they did some pulling plays and and uh, he was involved on on some pulling. So was Alphonse Taylor, actually. Yeah. Actually, I enjoyed seeing Alphonse Taylor pull and he would pull behind Pierce Bocker um, and uh, and Cam Robinson. Yeah. And I actually, I actually liked that a lot. That was, that yeah, was, a, I, that was, they had a lot of success. That's where, you know, that's where we had our big rush, uh, our big, uh, our big 67 yard run. Yeah. And I, so um, I, I felt like the offensive line played pretty well. No, I agree. Absolutely agree. And I think that's evidence in the, uh, evident in the, in the stat sheet with, uh, the, you know, sort of the ground game production and, and then that, you know, a little bit of play calling there too. But uh, yeah, it was nice to see, um, the line kind of come together and I think the line is only going to get better and better and better. I mean, how far were we into the season last year when we just didn't think the line was going to cut it and, you know, ended up, ended up being all right. So, you know, the often the entire offensive identity and man, you know, I wish I had a day to do this, but just to go back, if we were to listen to last year's podcast, I mean, we sent a, we spent, you know, a good half of the season or, or better wondering about the identity of the team and especially the offensive identity of the team. And, uh, you know, it's, you know, it certainly emerged and, you know, Derrick Henry certainly had something to do with that. And so, you know, we're three games in, we're still figuring this out and we've got freshmen just everywhere. Uh, I want to talk about that a little bit. So I think the identity of the team, right. Is, is that's a work in process, but we're seeing some development and that's, that's, I'm pretty satisfied with, the, the rate at which we're seeing development. What did you make of – we talk about the running back position and who's really going to sort of take over that job. And it looks like it's going to be Damian Harris. But it's it's almost throw, throw a rug over the rest of them because it was early in the first quarter. Joshua Jacobs was rotating in. Uh, I think he was the second running back in. And we actually saw some Trayvon Diggs lining up in the backfield as well. What, what do you make of some of that? We didn't see B.J. Emmons, I don't think, at all at the running back position. And last week he was he was one of the first guys in. So what do you make of, of some of the mix up there? Well, what was interesting about Joshua Jacobs is he was actually in on the very first series on that 16-play drive. Um, he was actually on, on two different plays um, – on a first and 10 at the Ole Miss 20, he rushes for two yards. The very next play on second and eight, Damian Harris comes back in and rushes for four yards. And so guy who is further down the depth chart, who's in the mix on first and 10 at the opponent's 20-yard line on the very first possession of the game. So I think that's very telling um, about, you know, maybe something that we're not seeing in practice, kind of like they said with the quarterback position. Right. So I think that's very telling that that we saw him that early. Um, I also think. Remember how we talked last week, or I commented last week about how poor the the pass protection was from the running back position. Yep. Well, the way you solve that is you just don't have him back there. Did you notice all the times that Jalen Hurts was back to pass in the shotgun that there was no running back back there pass protecting? Right. I mean. I didn't count the number of times that someone was back there because you had talked about Damian Harris being like, you know, if he's in, we're going to pass. Yep. Well, they seem to have solved that temporarily by saying, we just won't have anybody back there. Which seems scary to me that 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 here you are with a true freshman quarterback and and you don't even have somebody back there helping, you know, 
blitz pickup and that kind of stuff. So you're so not going to like. Well, here's here's my sort of two cents on that, and I don't know if this is an answer or just just a thought. And and you're not going to like it, but I wonder. And and so maybe it's I just wonder. Can, do we think that we can try to get away with that because he's mobile in a way that, you know, McCarron and McElroy and Coker weren't? Oh, no, I absolutely think that's correct. And him getting the him holding the ball for 35 of those 44 plays, while I don't like it, it's the it's the adage that that you've mentioned before about if the quarterback is a threat to run, you now have 10 blockers, right? Instead of him just handing the ball to the running back and the quarterback just stands there and now it's nine blocking, you know, instead of 10. It's a true 11 on 11. Yes, yes. And so so I think it's both of those things. Okay. I think his mobility, they're like, well, shit, if we don't have anybody that can pass block for him, we're just going to let him run for his life. And, and what do we say? What do we say when we play running quarterbacks like that? We say maybe we slow down the rush and we just contain him. And so – you know, the fact that he can run may actually slow down some of the rush. Yeah, but I don't know that – I mean – He hasn't proven I, himself I, dangerous over a longer period of time, you know, that when we would typically say that about a guy. Right, You're saying right. directionally. Directionally, there may be something to that. No, sure. And so I was surprised that Jacobs came in when he did. Um, I wasn't surprised Damian Harris started because – He's had the most success so far. I was surprised that that when Bo did get to to carry, um, it came as late as it did, and right. so it did surprise me. You know that he only got seven carries. Interestingly enough, Joshua Jacobs only finished the game with three carries, yep. and that first carry was in that first series. Yep. So all that you know, all that's just you and I being anal because it's like, why do you give the true freshman one carry at the beginning of the game? And then he only gets two more carries the entire rest of the game. It's you know it's funny, and th- and this is if you I mean, you know we're not comparing any of these guys to Mark and Trent and Eddie, so I mean it's it's kind of with a grain of salt. But that used to be something that we would really talk about, like oh okay, Mark had you know the first two possessions, and then you know and then you know Trent came in, and then it was two, and then it was one, and then Lacey got you know his turn, and. And so we would talk about it in those terms, and and that was the level of us sort of breaking it down. And now, now there's no, there's apparently no rhyme or reason. And so you think about, man, Eddie Lacy, like really did have to wait in line behind. You know, it might be the third quarter before he got you know his first touch. And you know that was just kind of the progression of the times. And and it appears, and so Damian Harris is emerging. Okay, I'll give you that. But there's really no pecking order. So it's Damian Harris emerging with some long runs. And and then I don't, you know, how, who's next? Because we've seen it be three different guys. Well, and also, three two, different games, we've seen it be three different guys. Well, and also, to be fair to, to, to Joshua, um, he only got those three carries, but he finished with 33 yards. Yeah. You know, in that in that second quarter, when I talked about them coming back to the run, he broke out that 25 yard run, which was very nice. Oh yeah, I mean that was a very nice run through traffic, and you know that that he kind of worked his way through the uh, uh, through the center of the uh, defense there. So you know, you look at the total dispersion, and Jalen Hurts had 18 carries. And so I think you and I can land in a similar place and say, you know, I'd like that to be nine or ten. 
Jake Coker used to, you know, Jake Coker used to scramble what four times and, and, you know, maybe he'd have four or five attempts on the day. I just think for Jalen Hurts to have 18 and Damian Harris to have 16 and then Bo to have seven, I just don't like the dispersion of that. Yeah. So if you're hanging your hat on Hurts as your guy and Hurts is, you know, supposedly won this job before the season even started, then don't have him out there running 18 times to get rocked like he did on that sack, you know, when, when Womack missed his block. I mean, all you need is one of those shots, man. I mean, he, he got nailed pretty good on that play that was not his fault. And so we're talking about a little different thing. But my point is, if you're hanging your hat on the guy and he truly won the one, you know, if he if he was if he was head and shoulders above the competition, then don't then kill him. Don't put him in harm's way that much. It's it's kind of like what you talk about with the number one wide receiver with the stupid end around. So I'm just saying, man, you're putting him out there to get hurt. <laughs> no, I understand. I understand. And you know, it is a sort of a double edged sword and and um but he's not Cam Newton. He's not six foot five, two hundred and fifty pounds. He's a tough, strong, well built killed uh, kid. I mean, there was video of him squatting. I mean, he's a power lifter. He's a like literally. He was on the powerlifting team in his high school, and there's video of him, you know, squatting six hundred pounds, you know, this summer. So I'm totally with you. But the but the sack he took that was not his fault when he coughed up the ball. Sure, sure. That powerlifting didn't help on that play. No, I understand. No, right. I, I'm with you. I'm just saying he is sturdy. But it's it's that's the danger of the running quarterback is you know they have the opportunity to you know to get crushed and you remember that Michigan State quarterback when Courtney Upshaw nailed him yeah and he went out of the game yep one good thing for Hertz because of his build and because of everything you just said I think he can take some hits yeah I'm just saying they're giving him too many of them that's all no I hear what you're saying uh, anything else on offense or you want to do mini game ball. Man, I just have to say that the behind the line of scrimmage play is is I'm gonna you know trademark that that phrase, um, you know you've talked about playing with the number one wide receiver you know on the end of rounds and that kind of stuff you know why can't we have your 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 fifth or sixth wide receiver doing that? So had our Darius Stewart not been the focal point of that play, where he hyperextended his knee because he ran into his own his own man ran into him. Right. Um, we wouldn't have lost him for the whole game. Now, obviously, we don't need him for this next opponent. Um, but that just frustrated me. Yeah, that's frustrating. I really, really like our Darius Stewart. I mean, you know, I I've sort of had a crush on him for the last couple of years. I mean, he is just a really talented athletic ball player and and has was really really emerging as a contributor and as a leader this year. And so I hate that, you know, you know, I hate that he missed this game and then I hate that he's going to miss, um, you know, a little bit, you know, probably the right answer is for him not to play against Kent state. I just, you know, I want him to get right and then get back because he's, he's definitely a contributor and look, let's, let's, let's not undersell the fact that uh, he, you talk about security blankets is there has to be a little bit of security that that Jalen has been feeling with Ardarius because he's gone to him quite liberally. Well, and and as Gary Danielson said, uh, which is why I enjoy listening to him so much. You know, he was talking about this team had you know two receivers who had caught over a thousand yards last year in Dieter and Ardarius Stewart, and then he talked about this team had really two number one wide receivers. Yep, and so. Calvin really finished with eight catches 
Good job. Yeah. Dieter had two. O.J. Howard had two. If Stewart can't go for a period of time and you find a defensive coordinator who says, oh, you don't have Stewart? Well, you obviously haven't found how to get O.J. Howard the ball because he only had two catches, and they shut down Calvin Ridley, right? And Stewart's not able to play a game? That's a whole different situation. Well, that's an interesting, you know, thing you bring up because, you know, I think it was Cecil I asked coach today, you know, does that give an opportunity to someone like Robert Foster? And, and, and man, coach did not sidestep the question. He said, yeah, we'll probably get some more run for Foster, but uh, Cam Sims is the guy that's been really performing well in practice. He's a guy that we'd like to give a little more opportunity. And, oh, by the way, Trevon Diggs, who's been playing both ways, um, we might see some more of him at wide receiver too. So I why thought it was he, interesting. Why would he say that, David? Why do, you, why do you think he'd say that instead of Foster? I mean, Foster was the guy who was the guy, right? I mean, he, he was the guy that was going to be the go-to guy had he not got hurt. Or does that surprise yeah. you? Well, I mean, it does. I mean, Calvin uh, Ridley, we wouldn't even know his name right now if, if you know, Foster had already had like – Three big games before he got hurt. No, you're right. If he had not gone that down, yeah, yeah. If he had not gone down in the Ole Miss game last year, you know, that's kind of is is what led to the to the uh, the opportunity that Calvin got, and you know, and we've spent a healthy amount of time talking about that. I I don't know that I have a, a good answer. I mean, I've read a little bit, and you know, I've had some, I've I've seen some practice observers talk about, you know, that are connected to the program and and have some good insight. You know, talking about he he's not really following the directions that he needs to in in practice and he's not you know running the right routes and he's he's just not playing as crisp as you would really expect him to given sort of his time in in the program and so i don't i mean i'm not saying that to disparage the guy because i don't know it's just that's just kind of sort of the there has to be something there, right? there has to be something there right? right i mean there has to be right i mean you don't just kind of fall off the the you know the face and so you know, and it makes you think like, ah, you know, Dale and Charlotte just had to go somewhere else and, you know, wouldn't, you know, what kind of opportunity might he sort of have right now? And so it's just kind of, it's all just kind of frustrating, you know, you know, these kids, man, come on guys, keep your head on. Well, I just think it's very telling for him to make the comment about digs. Yeah. Okay. And so obviously we had talked about Saban likes to run five guys out there. And so it was going to be Calvin Ridley, Ardarius Stewart, Dieter, you know, Foster and Sims, it seemed like, right, as the rotation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Raheem Falcons and Derek Keefe were, you know, they weren't going to get much run. Sure, they're going to be. Well, for him to, for him to make that comment about Diggs, and who knows, maybe it's a motivation for Foster, right? Maybe it's a keep your head up Diggs. But it sounds like there's fair open game behind the top threes. It sounds like sounds like it's open game between Foster, Cams, and and Diggs. And and I don't know if that speaks to the ability that Diggs has or uh, just motivation for Foster. That'll be interesting to watch. Yeah, I t- look and I underscore that exactly. There is a reason that Diggs lined up in the backfield the way that he did. There's something brewing there. I don't think that's just a smoke screen. And so that's going to be interesting to see. Well, tell me, tell me real quick before we before we go to game balls. I, I do have to mention that uh Matt Womack, um, who obviously blew that assignment. Uh, no, when no, no, no. you're talking about Jonah Williams. 
I'm sorry, Jonah Jonah Williams. I apologize. So so Jonah Williams when when he blew that assignment for for Hertz to get rocketed. Yep. Um, I, I will say through the first three games, um, we haven't had to we haven't noticed Jonah Williams very much, which and is so which is a great thing, right? Considering he's a true freshman. So we just I missed him when we were talking about the offensive line. So yeah. obviously he got his quarterback killed on that play. <laughs> Um, but, um, this is the first time we, I guess what I'm saying is this is the first time I've shone, shown a light on him in three games, which says a lot about a tackle as a true freshman. Yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly spot on. Let's not forget that he's also another, another one of the true freshmen. I mean, gosh, not even a red shirt freshman, you know, just another, you know, true freshman. It's pretty amazing. Uh, mini game ball. Um, well, I'm just going to you know, throw out your philosophy for the mini, you know, just blow it up again. But I'm actually going to give the mini game ball to Jalen Hurts. And cow. And, and, here's, and here's, sub, but here's why. No, this is the only reason I'm going to do it. Okay. Because I did say that I think Kiffin kind of put too much on his shoulders. But um, when he gave, when he got rocketed on that sack and he fumbled, and they returned it for a touchdown. And they went up 24 to 3 with three minutes left in the second quarter at Ole Miss. And Gary Danielson's like, this is the biggest deficit the Alabama team has had since Utah in the bowl game. Yep. They were down 21 points. Yeah. And they showed this kid on the sideline. And he was talking to his offensive lineman. His back was, you know, we could only see his back, but he was just talking to his offensive lineman. Uh, he wasn't, woe is me. And then on the very first play after they screwed up and kicked it out of bounds, which thank you for giving it to us on the 50, yep. he drops back, sits in the pocket. He, he wasn't pressured. He wasn't pressured, but he still sat in the pocket, and he threw a nice ball to Calvin Ridley. And I was sitting there saying, son of a bitch. He just got like rocked. I mean, like there would be some quarterbacks not get up off the ground the way sure. he got hit. And the very, very, I mean, you got to come out like right away because, you know, you got the ball again and you're down by 21 points. And he steps back and completes a pass. And um, so I, I thought that showed a lot of gumption. Okay. And so uh, that, that's why he gets my mini game ball. Well, welcome aboard the the Jalen bandwagon. There's no, there's no Jalen bandwagon. Don't, don't even tell the listeners that. There's no Jalen bandwagon. Tommy, 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 can we start the Jalen report? Nope, no Jalen report here. All right, who's your mini game ball? You know, I am giving my mini game ball, and I actually got mad at CBS because they gave away my mini game ball as their player of the game, uh, which was funny. But, uh, shoot, man, you you can't talk uh, about Bradley Bozeman without talking about that fumble recovery. Um I think that's gonna that's gonna make it hard for Bo to maybe get some key running time again, but uh, Bradley Bozeman certainly endeared himself. No, absolutely. Well, tell me tell me what jumped out on defense, man. There's there's a lot of things to talk about, but uh, do you want to start with the Ryan Anderson report? You know what? Do do your little Ryan Anderson report. No, man. I just got to say that in the second quarter when uh, he got penalized for roughing the passer, that was a bogus call. I went back and looked at it like two or three times, and damn, Chad Kelly was throwing off balance, and he was about to fall on the ground, 
and unfortunately Ryan Anderson had you know had been rushing the you know rushing at him and so literally Kelly was falling on the ground and Ryan Anderson literally was like oh you're not there anymore and so he of course falls and he gets called for the damn penalty yeah he was trying to use that. I mean he didn't hit him he didn't touch him Kelly well, fell no, he, did. Uh, he did he 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 tried to hold him up and and so you know there's a, there's the letter of the law which he was in violation of the letter of the law but he was not in violation of the spirit of the law and so i could see that going both ways i could see that going either way they just happened to call it well i um i i will tell you that um i was that the thing that jumped out at me on defense is we've talked about um all the secondary depth that we felt like we had and i, I think this game uh, kind of highlighted uh, the lack of depth um, at key positions that can kind of hurt you uh, if it happens. And so I think that when Reuben Foster went out of this game um, for a period of time, you could tell uh, Rashawn Evans was put in there. Uh, Rashawn Evans did the best he can, but let's face it, he's learning a new position. Um, when Minka he, Fitzpatrick he was already a little dinged up too, he's been a little dinged up the last couple of weeks too. But still, still, right? Just a you know, you know, last year go rush the quarterback. Sure. This year, get in the middle of the defense, call the defense, cover tight ends out of the you know, cover tight ends, cover running backs, blah blah blah. Him going out, you could notice it. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick going out, you could notice it. Yep, Jackson going out, you could notice it, and so um. I think part of this resurgence Ole Miss had uh, toward the end of the game uh, had a lot to do with the lack of depth at some key positions. Yeah, and and you know you think you take Minka, Eddie Jackson, and and Reuben Foster out all all three of them, and that's significant. And Saban talked about that in his press conference uh, today. He said, you know, you got a situation where you've got your uh, you, you know your your middle linebacker who's play, who's making the play calls up front. And then you got Eddie Jackson, sort of the leader of the secondary, and he's making the calls on the back end. And so that's two. That's not just two quality players, but that's significant relative to their roles. Two fifth-year seniors, right? Right. And so you bring in the other guys and saving, and and uh, and he said that you know at that point Ole Miss was running in an empty backfield. And so I mean, and then this is just this is just, you think about it, and this it's just like uh, how frustrating is this? But you know, Saban said you know they were running empties. And we had a package. We had a defensive package that we wanted to, to run against the empties. But we'd only practiced it this week. It was relatively sort of new. And we had all the younger guys in there that we were afraid to call some of those defenses because we didn't want to, you know, really sort of get ourselves out of sorts. And so we were playing a more sort of traditional alignment that we knew everyone knew, but it wasn't designed to be as effective against Ole Miss empties. And I thought, well, you know, it's almost like we we know that we can run some stuff to slow them down, but gosh, our really good stuff, we don't know if we can run it, and we'd rather not give up the big play by not running the good stuff right. And I thought, well, that's, you know, that's the kind of stuff. If somebody, you know, I mean, if someone's not, you know, you know, I don't know how many people listen to us that don't listen to the press conference, so – you know, we're not repeating anything probably that no one's, uh, you know, I've already heard. But I just thought that was so, you know, it's it's a level of insight, right? When you start to, you know, kind of think things kind of maybe at a level that we try to. I just thought that was very insightful. Um, 
And it, and I think it did have a lot to do with how we gave up some bang, bang plays late. No, absolutely. Um, well, uh, do we need to have a Duran Payne segment now? Hey, you just want to give everybody a segment. It's no, man. But no, I, I just think it's hilarious that we talked last week about the lack of depth. And we talked about the fact of not having that somebody else had to step up. Yep. That currently on the depth chart, the only one listed behind Duran Payne is Josh Frazier. And we talked about you know, we got a lot of defensive ends. We don't have a lot of interior guys in this, you know, three, five that we, you know, or uh three, two, five that we run and or base nickel as we call it. Well, I didn't see Josh Frazier a lot. I saw Deron Payne a lot and um, big boy played pretty well. I didn't, I didn't go and count the number of snaps he had. Uh, obviously he had the, the huge play, which we can talk about. Um, but there's another example from a depth standpoint um, that uh, he was inside a lot of the game uh, and uh, played pretty well for having to play as much as he did. Yeah, he did. I mean, he he looks definitely, you know, to the extent that I thought he may have gotten ding last week. Uh, you know, he's seen full go this week. You know, Josh did get in. Uh, Frazier did get in and he got some run certainly on the goal on stand. You know, he was contributing there. There were other points in the ball game where, I thought, man, this is a critical sort of situation, and 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 he was in there, so he did get some increased run, and uh, I'm I'm hoping that you know that that sets well with him, and and he can build upon that, and you know we're going to talk about our opponent, I, you know I just hope that we get a lot of guys some opportunity and some run this this next week because you know Josh is probably at the top of the list, Raquan Davis if he can get some run, I think he has some potential. And so, I mean, it's one of those games where I wish we could just play all our backups, right? And and we're not going to do that, but I hope we can get get them worked in quickly because I I'm keenly interested in seeing them play. But then, more than anything, just they need some live, they need some at bats against live pitching, and as many of them as we can get in and, and get some run, that's what we need. Well, on that on that touchdown by Deron Payne. Um, for that, for that man with his size, um, and his must be his football IQ, um, for his ability to keep from putting his knees down yes. and straightening his leg as he dove over the goal line, man, that was just very impressive. Yeah, and, and I and and you and I could have you and I could sim. You know, I wish we could sit there and watch like put a hundred defensive tackles in that situation and like a video game and we could let them all do it. And I'd, I'd be curious to see how many of the hundred guys would have the presence of mind to do that as they were going to the ground with Reuben Foster hung on you and an offensive lineman hung on you. Yeah. I don't think it'd be a big number. No. And it, and it just, you know, there's a mentality, there's a mindset and uh, that that Saban instills in his teams, and this team seems to get it even more than, you know, even more than in this week three, right? But this team seems to get it in ways that we've not seen some of his other teams. Last year there was a lot of leadership, but this team looks sort of across the board. There's leadership, and it's emerging here and there. We can see it, but there also just seems to be 
just a mindset that permeates the team, even some of the younger guys. And, uh, I, you know, I'm excited about that because that means, you know, this team has some runway. But, man, as many freshmen as we have playing uh, and as many younger guys as we have on the roster, I mean, this is going to be the core of the team for the next couple of years. This is kind of exciting. Well, this is this is currently, or it appears to be, a team that um, has a lot of Indians and not many Chiefs, like you said, and they are they are buying into the process um, much earlier than definitely last year's team for sure. Right. Um, what was your thought on? Uh, you know, there was some key plays on on um, Jonathan Allen's interception return, which was huge. Um, you know, there was some, um, you know, Christian Miller was in the game yep. in that situation yep. and actually pressured the quarterback around the edge um, as Dalvin Tomlinson was putting pressure. So was Christian Miller, um, you know, whenever Jonathan Allen was able to make the play. Um, it seems to me that Christian Miller and Anthony Jennings both got more run in this game. Yeah, I think they're carving out roles, and you know that's typically how Saban rolls. Is you know let's let's niche out some opportunities for these players to sort of learn something, get some experience in the field, and then we kind of grow it out that way. I like that. That's a very smart approach. You know, if if you have the the sort of the horses to do it, and so yeah, I think we're going to see some increased opportunity for uh, you know for those guys on the field. Um, I really like the size of Anthony Jennings. I think he's going to be, you know, he's one of those guys and we've done this before. I just say, write it down. Anthony Jennings is going to be a player. Uh, he does. I think you said this recently. He almost has sort of a Courtney Upshaw build. Uh, I mean, gosh, if he can be, you know, three quarters of Courtney Upshaw, then that's, then that's, that's going to kind of be all, you know, that's going to be impressive. And then, um, you know, you take the the Christian Miller. He's a little lankier, and he, you know, he needed to put on some, uh, you know, some good weight. But I, I think he's going to be impressive. He's going to be a fun one to watch. I don't know that he's as tall, but you know, there's a little bit of Tim Williams in him, and that he's a little, a little, uh, a little slighter. And uh, you know, Tim seems to have filled out after some years in the program, and so I think there's significant upside for both of those guys. Sort of, you know. It, as, as they continue to grow and, and develop and, and start to gain some experience, we're going to see more and more of them in the coming weeks. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a lot of them against Kent State. Well, it's funny. Christian Miller is 6'4", 230 right now, and uh, Tim is 6'4", 252. There you go. So, uh, But Anthony Jennings right now, to my Upshaw comment, he's already listed at 6'3", 264, and uh, – he he runs pretty good for 264 pounds. Yeah, I don't I don't know where you find people like this. <laughs> there are not any in my office. I tell you, that even kind of remotely look like. I don't know where these people come from, but holy my goodness, man, we were we are cranking through our our uh, we're blown through our sort of our time barrier, <laughs> which is which is what we do. Uh, is no, there something else on defense, or you want to go to mini game ball? You know, I just wanted to mention. Um, I, I just wanted to. I do want to mention that uh, at halftime there on the on the big. Uh, well, I, I do want to mention that the defense had those two big miscues in the second quarter. 
Um, you know, Mika not rolling back like he should have to put Marlon and man on man. And then for the blown assignment to allow their, you know, to allow their, their tight end Ingram for the, for the touchdown. Ronnie Harrison had that blown. Um, you know, that was, um, that this team just to, just to be able to come back and overcome this, um, I just think was huge, uh, for this team to be down 24 to three at all miss with three minutes left in the second quarter. I was thinking back to the days of Mr. Garcia at South Carolina. Yes. And that team folded and this team didn't. And, um, I just think that's huge. That, that, that is huge for a team that just won the national championship. Right. I mean, they won it in 09 and then look how that team did in 10. And here we are a year later and to win on the road like that was huge. So, uh, I just, I just wanted to mention that. Who, Who do you want to give your mini game ball to on defense? Man, I've got two, um, you know, and I won't, I won't kind of blow these up, but uh, I, I still like my Shy Carter, and I still like my oh, Anthony God. Averett. Uh, I just think, you know, the the way that they're different roles, and they have, you know, but they're both, and you know, one's a true freshman, one's an upperclassman, but you know, they're both sort of relatively inexperienced on the field. Uh, you know, obviously Anthony is going to have some more experience, but the role that he's sort of cast into frontline starter he's performing very well he had a couple pass breakups and then shy i just think um he's getting more and more run he's getting more and more comfortable he got more snaps than than was expected or sort of planned but uh every opportunity he has to get on the field i think is going to make him a, a better player and then i just like sort of the silent quiet contributions that we're getting from anthony uh i think i think he's manning that other side opposite hump uh, very very well, and so those are two guys that just kind of quiet, but uh, but I'm pleased with. All right, so I'm going to give a mini game ball to uh, someone who's not mini game ball, cool. and I'm going to do it because we don't have a mini game ball on special teams. So since we don't have a mini game ball on special teams, I'm going to give this mini game ball on defense, and I'm going to give it to Eddie Jackson, who is definitely not mini game ball worthy. Well, let's jump right into special teams. Then go for it, man. I, I just to for Eddie Jackson to step in at the punt return position or punt returner position um and be as seamless as he has been um in this game uh his ability to his ability after he would make an interception in traffic yep. and his ability of being able to find the open lanes is just really fun to watch and so you know, no one saw this coming that he was going to be the punt returner um, this week. And so, of course, Saban was asked about this and basically just said that, you know, we wanted somebody back there that, you know, we had not found somebody yet, right? Sure. And that we, and that we, what did he say? He, that's what he said. He said on the first game of the season that there were, no, in the first two games of the season, there have been two different opportunities that we could have taken advantage of, and the punt returner missed both of them. And so Eddie Jackson, as a guy we can't afford to get hurt, <laughs> as a fifth-year senior quarterback of the back of the defense, stepped into this on the road at Ole Miss and um, made a huge play, uh, which uh, was probably uh, you know key in changing the momentum of this ballgame. 
Oh, without question. And as soon as I saw that he was lining up as the punt returner, it was one of those, oh, my God, why didn't I think of that? Just immediately was like, that is so genius. I wish, I wish that I had thought about that. Did you send him a tweet, by the way, after the game? You should have sent him a tweet after the game. I just I, – I, you know, in the broken field of, of an interception, he is so good at finding the lanes and weaving the way through. I mean, returning a punt is different but similar. And just, oh, as soon as I saw him back well, there, I just, wanted to, it's I even just wanted to kick myself in the head for not, for not, for not thinking of that first because – Holy shit! That's just—is that just not perfect? Well, it's gift wrapped. It's even—it's even easier than a broken field, right? I mean, he can size up his lane. He has more time to size up where he's going to go. Yeah, I mean, yes and no. He has more time to do that, and and in sort of you can call sort of which sort of return you're going to run. But then you're—you have—you know—you don't have five lumber, lumbering linemen of the eleven, you know, defenders out there either. You have eleven tackler. Well, I guess the punter. So you're, you know, the punter. So you have, you know, ten tacklers. So it's easier and it's harder. But my point is, holy cow, why didn't I think of that? Well, uh, talk me some J.K. Scott, man. How, how'd you like? Uh, how'd, how'd you like? How'd, how'd you like the uh, how Adam Griffith and J.K. Scott did on the game? Well, it looks like Adam rubbed off on J.K. a little bit, right? Because you know he had a long. I mean, he just booted a six-two-three yarder. It's like I don't. You know, do humans even punt the ball that far? And then he came out and just shank a potamus, man. He didn't even get a first down with his punt. You know, it was an eight-yarder. It's like, my gosh, just that is not who we know this guy to be. But he came back and he bounced back and, and uh, you know, ended up having, you know, pretty decent uh, rest of the day. And he, almost Adam, broke a 40, he almost broke a 40-yard average even with that crappy punt. Right. And then, you know, and gosh, I hate to say this, but – we talked about it last week. You know, Adam did what Adam does. I mean, he hit two, you know, 32 and 30 in the midst of 47. And Yeah, but man. You know, I mean, he'll come out next week and he'll hit a 44-yarder and it's – And and, we'll just, and miss a 30-yarder. Yeah, and then it'll be like, well, I, just, I don't know what to think. And um, You never know what you're going to get, like you were saying before. Yeah, and I mean, I really like the kid, and so I'm not disparaging him. I'm not mad. It's not any of that. It's just, man, I just want an automatic. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, that's not Adam. But uh, but I like him and I root for him every time he goes out there. And most of the time he does pretty good. Well, I will say for J.K. Scott, who almost broke 40 yards with his average, we had punters in years past on this team that couldn't break 40 yards Without on regular punts. Without shanking eight yarder. No, no. I mean, you know, we went one season and was it Cade? Cade Foster averaged thirty nine for the season, and uh, and we were ecstatic the next year when he when he got up to like forty one or something. So, um, you know, I'll I'll take his, you know, once in a lifetime, eight yarder, <laughs> you know, for the rest of the upside that he has. Uh, so, uh, question on that um, onside kick that they recovered if – and so Calvin was out there and he kind of misplayed it. Uh, and I know, I know Saban talked about, you know, it not being blocked right and all that, and that's fine. But if Calvin had played the ball right, uh, you know, he just would have caught it and then gone down, game over. 
Uh, do you think if Ardarius – see, Ardarius is thicker. Um, he's more sort of sandlot, kind of backyard, kind of athletic. He can take a hit. He, he, I'm sorry. Okay, Calvin really can take a hit, but he's built. He's built for that alignment better than Ridley. Yes. Yeah, and so my, you know, it, would he have been in that position over Ridley? Yes, I think so too. Absolutely. And 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 he, I think, has two. And you know. And by the way, and by the way, they're both six one. Our Darius is two hundred five, and Ridley is one hundred and eighty eight pounds. Yeah, and Ridley can <laughs> so. I mean, uh, uh, our Darius can really jump up. He's sort of our high point guy, and so. But that's that, that's twenty pounds, man. That's a big difference. Yeah, and 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 then somehow his vertical must be like eight inches taller or something. I don't know, crazy like that. But you know, even if he had misplayed it, I don't think he would have misplayed it as bad. Kind of coming forward for that second bounce, but he would have been able to sky a little bit better than, and really just. And look, I love the kid. I'm, you know, he just seemed kind of a fish out of water there. And I, I think Ardarius would have been a little more suited for that. And so, well, that could be a such, that that could be a next man up, and it could even be that Ridley had not even had this early in the season. It's very possible Ridley got thrown in there, and he had not even possibly worked that onside kick drill in practice yet yeah maybe just a walkthrough or two but yeah you think yep. well, our Darius is the guy and uh and then we're just going to kind of roll with that and and so you know kind of it you know it was what it was so I just want to get your take on that what what you thought anything else on special teams all right I think we covered what I had no man I think I'm good tell me uh tell me what uh Kent State's going to bring to town man it is another Saturday I mean, obviously they're all Saturday, but it's another day game. This is an eleven o'clock kickoff in Tuscaloosa, so it'll probably damn early for a football game. Yeah, and so oh, yeah, remember, man, we used this to, is the crap. This is the crappy. This is the this is this was what do we call it? The JP the game. JP game. It's the JP game, right? Yeah. And hey, do you remember when we used to have to drive to Birmingham for the eleven o'clock kickoffs? This is true. <laughs> I look back and think, how did that ever happen? Now we just have to drive from freaking Atlanta, so that's even worse. But yeah, yes. but, you know, circumstances are a little different. <laughs> no, this is true, but you and I both know why Kent State is on the calendar to begin with. That's the perks of uh, having Nick Saban as the Alabama coach. So uh, so, so, what do you, what do you think they're going to do besides coming to collect their paycheck? Well, I tell you what, I, I read that it's a 43-point spread, and I was just amazed by that. And – I, I'm just going to tell you, as much of a mismatch as there is between Alabama and Kent State, um, don't don't take you know, don't give the points. Don't take the points. Don't give the points on that one. I mean, this you know, this is his alma mater. He doesn't like running up the score on anybody. Just anyways, this is his alma mater. Much less. I, I take I you know, give me Kent State and the points on that one, and uh, I might get a little bit nervous late. But uh, we don't beat them by forty-three. Uh, I've got something. Like, I've got something like forty-two to six. It's almost you know name your score. I've got forty-two to six. Um, you know, well within the forty-three uh, point buffer. Well, now wait a minute. This Kent State team they they just beat the Hawks last weekend at home, twenty-seven to seven. Okay. And uh, no, they actually opened the season at Penn State and lost thirty-three to thirteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so to your point, that was a, you know, just a 20 point margin. And, uh, you throw in what you just said, I would be shocked if this is 43, 
I think if Lane uh, if Lane hangs fifty on him, he gets his walking papers and he'll get fired on the sideline. And um, so I, but but you're going to have some young kids who are going to make plays because we got a lot of young kids on this, you know, who getting who are getting significant playing time. So I'm gonna I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this is going to be your I'm, I'm going to say thirty eight to three. Okay. We're, I mean, that's similar, right? I mean, I said 42, you said 38. You know, we're, we're within a point of, of one another on that. So I think are that's they, Are they collecting a million-dollar check on this? Do we know how much they're getting for this one? No, I don't know what it is, but, you know, probably ballpark, something like that. It's kind of nice to get your ass whooped and get a million dollars. That's pretty good. You know, I would do I mean, that. That's pretty nice, man. Hey, I would do that every day next week, and then I'd be done. All right, man. Well, I definitely um, – I think this was the toughest game on the schedule, as we said, uh, which is, you know, it is what it is right now. Um, you know, this, this – um, th- there will also so be a – let, let me stop you there. What is – okay, so what's next? What is the next and, – and look, this is unscripted, so I – you know, I don't – I don't know if – you know, I don't, I don't know where you're going to go on this, but what's next? What would be sort of the next sort of – we got to watch out for this team game. You want my true answer? Yes. There's no more we have to watch out for. Oh, boo. That's wrong. That was it. Okay. That was it, man. You've got, you know, I, I, we, I, I can just go ahead and tell the listeners they don't have to listen to any more podcasts. I mean, come on, really? Kentucky? Really? Arkansas? Tennessee, the way they played? Uh, okay, Texas A&M. LSU, definitely not. You know, they still don't have a quarterback. What's new? Um Texas a and the only game, man. Uh, Texas A&M is the only game, and we got them at home. So, uh, you know, go ahead and buy your t- t- tickets to the Georgia Dome because, you know, we will be there. Man, I just want to unplug you, man. <laughs> you asked me what's going to be great is uh, when we do the pregame show for the SC Championship, and you're like, son of a bitch, he was right. No, I don't mind you being right. I just, you know, I'm going to root for you to be right on, on it, but – I'm going to tell you, watch out for the Arkansas game. That's what I'm going to tell you. Uh, no, not till they get a new coach. No, I'm going to tell you to watch out for Woo Pig Suey. All right, oh, man. All right. Anything else you want to toss in? I just wish this game wasn't at 11 o'clock, but besides that, I'm good. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in the same boat with you on that one. All right, let's wrap this thing. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We appreciate it. Uh, this has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast powered by Bama Hammer Roll Tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just to shout out a roll tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, T-shirts, free roster downloads, and, of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tide. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.